for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. If you've got a Bible and you like to turn in your Bible um, to, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4. We've been, uh, as a church, looking at uh, what it means to be baptised in the Holy Spirit, what it means to experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and it's a, it's a, it's a big, big subject, and, and we love it, and we just want to keep encouraging you to keep pursuing the Lord and keep pursuing the gifts that He desires to give. And uh, I, had, uh, I had a free option this morning as to what I could preach on. Um, because this month it's just a little bit different before next month we launch into a new season looking at the book of Acts when we're looking at the Spirit of God uh, as he breaks out there and as he develops the the community of the church and its mission uh, at that particular time and what God says to us through that, what we can learn through uh, just looking at the dynamic that took place there. But uh, this morning's a free one and... uh, some, some weeks ago, I, I remember driving in my car, and for some reason or other, I felt just God just dropped something into my heart, and it was about wilderness. And Now, that doesn't sound very exciting, does it? How many of you want to take a holiday in the wilderness? Can't see any hands there at all. Really, if you, if you love wilderness, you've got to be a prophet or a mystic of some sort, haven't you? Those kind of people just somehow love wilderness. They, they go there, and they... They just, you know, just do their thing. But it's not the sort of thing that you and I uh, look to do. But wilderness actually is a part of Christian life. If you've never been in one, at some time you will be. I don't say that to discourage you, but in order to prep you, because it is useful to know that. It is part of God's school, and we'll be looking at that as we go along. But just let's first read Matthew's Gospel and chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. And for 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and he became very hungry. And during that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him into the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you're the Son of God, then jump off. For the Scriptures say, He will order His angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The Scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. And then we read, when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he left Judea and returned to Galilee. And he went first to Nazareth, left there and moved to Canaan, Capernaum, beside the Sea of Galilee in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. And this fulfilled what God had said through the prophet 
uh, Isaiah, in the land of Zebulun and of Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, where so many Gentiles lived. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. For those who lived in the shadow where death cast, lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. And from then on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for your sin, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. In any given church, there is a, a range of experience. We were to look across this room, if we were to have time just to, to interview in different ways across this room this morning, we will find that our experiences vary by a long way. There are multiple experiences. We're all on a journey, but we're not all at the same stage. Some, perhaps, are here this morning and you don't know Jesus, and you're just exploring what the Christian faith is all about. Some here this morning, you've, you've just begun the journey. Hallelujah. Great. You've just begun the journey, and it's opening up before you. Others are, are some months in or some uh, years in. Others perhaps of many years of walking with God uh, behind them. But wherever we're at, we're all at different places in that journey. We're not at the same stage, and we shouldn't be threatened by the differing encounters and experiences that others have. We should rejoice in what God is doing. And it's thrilling just to look across the church at this moment in time and observe the grace and the goodness of God as he moves in different ways upon different people in different situations and circumstances. But one particular experience of the Spirit that we don't talk about very often is this one that we've just read about, when the Spirit leads us into the wilderness. After all, when we think of encounters with the Holy Spirit, we think of the baptism of the Spirit, we think of the gifts of the Spirit, we think of the Great Commission, we think of going out there and getting on with the job. After all, wasn't, isn't that the reason Jesus came? And yet, for some reason or other, after his baptism, he's immediately led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. Isn't it all just about getting on with the job? We look out there and we, we see the need, an enormous need, and but God's scale of looking at things and doing things is quite different to our scale at looking at things and doing things. The work of the Spirit involves more than just the baptism of the Spirit and the empowering of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. The work of the Spirit involves you as a person, me as a person. And the Scripture really speaks to this, not only here, but throughout the unfolding nature of Revelation as we see God's dealings with mankind. Firstly, let's just notice there are two particular wildernesses. We do need to notice that. There are two wildernesses. And you have this particular one here, uh, which is one where the Spirit leads us into the wilderness. In other words, it is one that God ordains. It is one that God makes. It's one that God uses for his ends. But there is another wilderness. And... um, Oh, okay. So, first wilderness is one where the Spirit leads us into the wilderness. And we're going to unpack that one in just a minute. But there is another wilderness that we can find ourselves in. I found myself there, and I expect you have found yourself there as well. And that's a wilderness of our own making. 
And it's important that we, we realize this. It can be through our unbelief. It can be through disobedience. It can be through willful sin. It can be through the failure to forgive others. It, it can be when we've been sinned against and, and we end up with a resulting root of bitterness. And that wilderness is a dry and a barren place. It's not that God is no longer present to us, but God in some way seems absent. He has promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And yet through our own willfulness, we find ourselves in this particular desert where it is barren, where we have no sense of God where we have no sense of peace, no sense of joy, no sense of satisfaction, no sense of fulfillment in serving God, in knowing God, or even coming to a meeting, in praying, in reading our Bibles. And it's a wilderness that is of our own making. And it's a wilderness that we do need to understand and take note of, because if that's where we are, we can do something about it pretty quickly. And that's The good thing, because God is love. God is merciful and kind and gracious. And even there, he's wanting to come to us in his loving kindness and his tender mercies and his graciousness and and to help us to get out of that wilderness. It's interesting, isn't it, that the writer in Hebrews, he says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. A poisonous root of bitterness. That bitterness is poisonous to you. It goes deep within to the, in the very core of your being. It somehow saps your energy. It drains your mental powers. It causes you to lose your focus. It's like you're being slowly poisoned to death. But it's not, a po- not only a poison that affects you, it's a poison that will also affect others as well. Because of the poison uh, working in your life, it can very easily contaminate others. A, A root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, and he says, corrupting many. So suddenly they begin to taste of your poison, and that is not good. And that's something that we we do need to be aware of as Christians. You know, when life doesn't appear to work out the way we thought it would be. When somebody says something to us or does something to us, when somebody offends us in some way, when something happens that really just crosses us, what are we going to do with that? Where are we going to go with it? And these are, these are big issues. And I just want us to, to notice that. It can be just simply through our unbelief. Maybe there was a promise you received, but somehow or other, things have not worked out at this present time, and you're, you're in a process of unbelief. You can't see God because of your unbelief. You can't see what He's doing. It can be disobedience. It can be that willful sin. It can be bitterness, which is a, a wide-ranging word that encompasses, it encompasses resentment, it encompasses anger, It encompasses annoyance and irritability and impatience and defensiveness. That's not a good place to be. And that's a wilderness of our own making. It's a dry, it's a barren place. A place where you have no sense of God, no real peace, no real joy.
If that's where you are this morning, you don't have to stay there. Because of the cross, because of the grace and mercy of God, you can can just come as you are. You don't have to try and, in your own mind, as it were, sort it all out. You can come as you are to the foot of the cross and just realize your need again of God's mercy and grace. Cast yourself upon Him and receive His mercy and grace into your own heart. And allow the Holy Spirit to extract that poison, to neutralize it, to extract it. To go and forgive whoever you need to forgive and to give fully and, and completely. And, and that's a message in and of itself and not the main point of the message this morning. But it's important to hear this. I've been in those kinds of wilderness. I know what it's like to, to have been hurt to have been hurt by fellow Christians. I've known what it is to go into my own wilderness with that, being offended, but eventually having to come to experience the grace and mercy of God. Allow God to deal with me. Allow God to do something different in me and to go and forgive and to move on. So if that's where you are, you can do something about it right away. You can recognize it. You can repent of it. Cast yourself back on the mercy and grace of God. And oh, how, how willing he is to forgive. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. And though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his hands. If that's you this morning, God is present with you where you are, though you may not feel him. He is present with you. But he wants to get you out of there as quick as he can. And if you're anything like me, you're stubborn. You dig your heels in and you say, I'm right. They should sorry for, say sorry first. Why don't they just come groveling? And God says, no, you. It may be in your marriage. It may be in your family. Maybe somebody in the church. It may be somebody in your workplace that's causing you at this moment in time to be in a wilderness where you don't have the peace and the joy and sense of God's presence that you used to have. God is speaking to you this morning and he's saying, do something about it. You can come out of that wilderness. I'll help you. But what about this particular wilderness that we're looking at here? What is this, this wilderness that God leads us into? And why on earth would he lead us into a wilderness? If it's not a wilderness of our own making and none of us want to go there, why on earth would God want to lead us into a wilderness? So we see it there in the life of Jesus the gospel writers, they use different words to express what was taking place here. Some use a more gentle word of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Another writer suggests actually the Holy Spirit was driving him into the wilderness. There's, there's a force behind him uh, impelling him to, to go into the wilderness that there is nowhere else to go but the wilderness. You may have had that kind of experience. But why immediately after his baptism in water and the Spirit coming upon him would he do that? 
And my experience is that it's not something that just happens once. It could happen several times throughout your life. And just waking up to it and knowing it when God has led you there that makes all the difference, (laughs) doesn't it? When you know that God has led you there, it makes a huge difference to what is going on. I've known God lead me into the wilderness, and I've fought his leading. I've tried to get out under my own steam, not understanding the purposes of God. Jesus went there as the second Adam, and he went there as the representative man. For 40 days, Jesus was confronted by the devil, and at the end of them, he comes again. And he, he waits. He bides his time. And just when you think it's all over, you've had that, you've got the victory, he comes again. When you look at the life of Jesus there, you look at that particular time, he's had nothing to eat. He's been fasting, he's been praying. And the devil was tempting him right through that 40 days. At the end, you get this big onslaught. Will he turn? Stone to bread to satisfy his hunger? Will he take a shortcut in the purposes of God? Will he be tempted to move out to seek to prove his father's care? There are three things that would be good just to notice here with regard to the temptation of Jesus. Number one, history. If you go and look at the story in Luke's gospel, you find the genealogy of Jesus right in front of it. And that's interesting because it it tells us something, that Jesus had a mixed genealogy. But that didn't make any difference as to who he was. Hallelujah. The devil may have come at you with your history, with your genealogy, and tried to lay that on you. When you read this particular story, when you read the story of Jesus, it doesn't matter what your genealogy is, it's who you are today in God that is important. It's who God has made you today to be in him. Whatever is going on, it doesn't matter your history. It's about who God has made you to be. Secondly, it was an act of God. He was led of the Spirit into the desert, into the wilderness. That means that God is sovereign. He knows. And he knows what he's doing. And that, that's a comforting experience to know that it is the Spirit who led him, who leads us into wilderness experiences. And therefore, he has a reason, he has a purpose for it. It wasn't the enemy dictating to God. It wasn't the enemy dictating to Jesus. It wasn't the enemy that was in control. It was God who was in control. And if you are in a wilderness situation at the moment, the devil, if, it's, if you're not in a a wilderness of your own making, but one where the enemy has led you into, the devil will try and convince you that he is in control. He is not. God is in control. He is the sovereign Lord. He knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't have an open approach to life. He doesn't. Our God knows what is going to happen tomorrow. He knows where he has taken you, and he knows how he will lead you out. Hallelujah. Because he has a plan for your life. He has a plan for mine. 
And it's important that we understand that. We might say in the terms of modern theology that God is not an open theist. That understanding of theology is that God doesn't know what is going to happen tomorrow. He's waiting to see what you will do, what I will do, what we will do, and then he will decide what he does next. That would be a strange universe to live in. A very strange universe, a very worrying universe. The scriptures teach us that God is sovereign. He does reign over all. He reigns in general and he reigns over our lives. Hallelujah. So don't let the enemy dictate to you the program. God is in control. If he has led you into a desert, he has led you there for a reason. And thirdly, it was a place of spiritual conflict. There was and is an enemy around. If you haven't woken up to that fact, you need to. Scripture tells us that he goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But his power is limited. His influence is limited. And actually, it's not the enemy who's in control here. It's God who's in control. And he has led Jesus into an encounter, a spiritual encounter. And that might be where you are at this moment in time, in a place of spiritual encounter where you're learning something about the enemy that you're up against. But it's more than that as we'll go on. And one of the things that we need to to note here is that the trials that God leads us into can become temptations. If you and I don't understand the leading of the Spirit and the hour of trial that God brings us into, we'll become vulnerable to various temptations. Uh, And in becoming vulnerable to them, we are looking to a way to suppress what we are feeling and experiencing at that time. It will be easy to turn on the television late at night and watch something we shouldn't be watching. It will be easy to take something that, in other words, gives us a a high of some sort. It will be easy to drink in order to sort of help us to get through this. That kind of thing doesn't work when God has led you into a wilderness. We need to understand the ways of God. We need to understand the working of the Holy Spirit. So trials can become temptations. Those temptations are ways of alleviating and and getting us away from what is taking place at this moment in time. So what is uh, this particular trial all about? Why would God lead us into a wilderness? Now, I'm not particularly going to look at the the trial of Jesus here, the testing that he experienced, but we'll reference them in some way or other. So what is is going on? Why would God lead Jesus? Why would God lead you? Why would God lead me into the wilderness? Doesn't he want to just get us into Canaan and and just for us to enjoy the blessing and to to play our, 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 our instruments and just have some fun together and do the work that he has called us to do? There's one simple way of simplifying for us as his people what God's intention is when he leads us into the wilderness. And that's this. It is the place where he seeks to detoxify and shape our souls. It's the place where he seeks to detoxify and shape our souls. Now, we live in a world which emphasizes 
what we look like. It's all about image. It's all about presentation. We spend a whole lot of time and money shaping our bodies, uh, working on our appearance, on looking good. But God is interested in more than that. God is interested in who we are on the inside. He's interested in our soul, your soul, and my soul. And so when he takes us into a wilderness, he has at, at heart our goodness, our blessing. And so he seeks to detoxify us. So in detoxification, it's where we learn about who we really are, what we need to be rid of and what needs to be put on. When I became a Christian, I used to think, actually, I wasn't too bad a person. Anybody been there? You know, you think, actually, you know, I I had a good upbringing. I thank God for it. I grew up in a Christian home. I thank God for it. Uh, But I used to think I wasn't so much a sinner as some people are. (laughs) You wouldn't own up to that, would you? Yeah. Um, I used to think I wasn't so much a sinner as some people are. But then over the years, as God has taken me into different wildernesses, and he's begun to detoxify my soul, I've begun to see how bad I really am. I've, been see, I've seen my shape, and I've not liked it. But I know that God has loved me. And he takes me there because he wants to detoxify me and shape me according to his purpose. Because his purpose is that we should be like Jesus. Isn't that right? It says that he has predestined us to be like Jesus. Wow. I'll buy that, won't you? To be like Jesus. And I remember as a young Christian, we used to sing songs. To be like Jesus. All I ask, to be like him. All through life's journey from earth to glory. And I thought, what a lovely prayer. But then when God begins to work on getting you like Jesus, oh, there's some ouches here and there, aren't there? But he very often takes us into the wilderness for this particular reason, for detoxification, for the shaping of our soul, that Christ might be our all in all, and that he might ultimately equip us for service because there is a battle out there. And we need to learn how to deal with, with the enemy. Wow, time's going, isn't it? Let me run through very quickly some notable people that you can look up in your own time regarding this. Go and look at Joseph. He had dreams and visions and was keen to know what they were about and see them worked out. But God had to put him in prison and shape his soul before he could let him loose on the world of his day. And I love the verse where it says in Psalm 107, in the margin, it says this, His soul came into iron and the word of the Lord tested him until it came to pass. He had a word, but God was doing something else before he was to let him loose on his purposes. And that word tested him as he went down, 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 down into prison. As he thought he was about to come out and ended up staying there a bit longer. The word of the Lord tested him. Now that might be the case for you. You have a word. God has spoken over your life. But you have not seen its fulfillment as yet. And that word is testing you. It is testing you day in and day out. As you, to all intents and purposes, do not see the unfolding of that word. Be encouraged, God is with you. 
God was with Joseph in prison. Amen? God was with him. And you think of Moses in Exodus 2 and 3. And though he understood God and his call, he thought he understood God and his call and his ways, but God had to put him into the, out into the wilderness where he would look after sheep for 40 long years. Looking after sheep. Well, if you know anything about sheep, that could really be a trial. You know? Sheep. Sheep. Just sheep. God, I, I thought there was more than this. And all you've given me is sheep. And they're a bit of a problem. They're always doing things that I don't want them to do. Going places I don't want them to go. They make my life hard, difficult. There's enemies out there, etc. Sheep. So, so Moses... He thought he understood God. He thought he understood his ways. And he thought he could get on with it. And God says, hang on a minute. You need class wilderness. Go and look after sheep for 40 years. And during that time, God detoxes him. He encounters God. And he's brought into a new place. You think of Israel. God led them out of slavery into a wilderness and a desert. For 40 years, they had to learn the ways of God. Let me say this, God is not in a hurry. Have you, have, you, have you realized that? God is not in a hurry. I can remember that 16 years old, I think it was, when I first remember God speaking to my life and God calling me into the ministry. It's a powerful experience, a series of experiences that And as a young man, I remember thinking, right, God, let's get on with it. The world needs you, and it needs me. (laughs) Let's be honest, that's how we think, isn't it? That we're, we're God's greatest answer to the world around us. And there were certain things I thought, okay, I'll map them out, and that must be the way. And I began to plan that way, what I thought was according to God's will, and God said no. And it was hard. Because it seemed so right to me, and and God said, no, I'm going to take you a different way. I can remember standing in front of a window uh, one year, feeling so upset, because God wasn't doing it yet. And then one day God said to me, until you wake up really to where you are, and to the importance of today, you will not get to tomorrow. So that experience I was in at that moment in time. So Israel, you think of David, he knew the calling and anointing of God, but continued to live and serve as a shepherd out in the Judean hills until the time came. You think of Elijah in 1 Kings and 19, exhausted from spiritual conflict, fear grips him, he flees to the wilderness. God was there and renews him and refreshes him. And he goes further into the wilderness and God speaks to him and he pours out his heart. And in that time you see God dealing with him. And he has to come to the place where he can hear the still, small voice. And that might be the case for you this morning. You need to come to that place where you can just, you just want God to thunder, do something dramatic. And actually, it's a still, small voice. Just that quiet, quiet voice speaking. 
that you've got so busy that life has drowned it out and you can't hear it. And God is, has led you into a desert because he wants to, he want, he's with you and he wants you to encounter him and he wants to encounter you. But it's not in the way you plan. You think of Paul soon after his conversion. There's Paul, this man who has been a, a, a um, what we might call a, a zealous Pharisee, yes. Very zealous indeed, seeking out members of, this, of the church and uh, imprisoning them and so on. And then God gets him and he gets converted. And it's a bit like, right, let's carry on. But different mission now. Let's get on with it. And God says, no. Class Arabian Desert. So God leads him out into the Arabian Desert where God detoxes him, detoxifies him of his zealous Phariseeism. And out there in the Arabian desert, he encounters God in new ways. And he gets that wonderful revelation of Jesus Christ and later he's to expound on it in his letters. So you begin to see something of the importance of the wilderness. Yes, I, I want to go for, for the gifts and all the, the miracles and everything else, but there are times and seasons when God leads us into a wilderness. And we need to understand that. You may have been in one. You may never have been in one. But I can assure you as a Christian that it's one of the ways God deals with his people. He leads us into a wilderness. So, what are some of the things that come out there? You have solitude, where God cuts you off from everything else. Where God, it's just you and God. It's a place where we learn who we, who we are. When the enemy came to Jesus, it was, if you are the Son of God. Now, in the Greek, that really means, since you are the Son of God, why don't you do this? So the enemy knew who Jesus was. But the enemy very often is trying to trick us when he comes. Oh, you're a child of God, are you? Why don't you? And he tries to undermine our identity. And God wants us to be secure in our identity in Christ. That's an important thing to realize. It's also a place of, of need where we suddenly discover that we can't answer our own problems. Where we are wholly dependent upon God. God, I need knowledge from you. God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your provision. And God, I need it in the way that you are going to do it. It's a place where questions come. All questions. I thought I had my faith all mapped out until I was led into the desert. And in the desert, I began to doubt certain aspects of my faith. Questions began to arise. The enemy would come and say, oh, okay, you believe God is love. You believe God provides. You believe this, that, and the other. And it was like everything was being tested, tested, tested. Yes, the enemy will test our faith. This place where questions come. What will we believe? Does God care? He's not provided. You do it. And Jesus' answer is, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. There have been times in my experience when I have had no other word than this word. Yeah? I've had no other word than this word. 
I've prayed it. I've quoted it to the enemy. This is the word of God. This is the bread of life. This is what feeds my soul. This is what makes me whole. This is the perfect law of liberty. It's a place of undoing and remaking. We've already touched on that. It's a place of battle, of spiritual conflict. And let's be sure of this. When God leads us there, it's not that we should be defeated. It's that we should be victorious. Hallelujah. God wants every one of us as victors. Yeah? He wants every one of us to learn how to be victors through Jesus Christ. And we learn that in the wilderness. God allows the enemy to come at us. Yes, it will expose our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities. But that's good. That's right. But I want to tell you this. The fight that he leads us into is not a fair one. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Amen? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So it's not a fair fight. God guarantees you victory. God guarantees us victory in this battle that we face. It's a place where we learn the ways of God. We discover that his ways are not what we thought they were. His thoughts are not our thoughts, etc., etc. We learn the ways of God. In reality, we don't just learn them, uh, as it were, from a book and, and quote, quote them, as it were, as a creed, but we learn the actual ways of God. And we learn to live by faith and not by our feelings. True, genuine faith, as someone has said, actually has nothing to do with our feelings. The dynamic of the flesh is feeling, whereas the dynamic of the spirit is faith. And that will be important for how we work out how we do life in the spirit. Because it is faith and not our feelings. And so Jesus' answer time and time again was, Scripture says, it is faith in Father God. So I don't know where you are this morning. As we said, the, we're a whole group of different people in different parts of the journey. And I'd just like you to stand at this moment as we draw to a close. Time has gone. If you've gone into a wilderness of your own making, listen, God is not punishing you. God is not punishing you. Jesus paid the price for all our sin. He paid the price for it. God just wants to get you out of there, if that's the wilderness you're in. He wants to get you out of there, that wilderness of your own making. Bitterness has taken root in your heart. Its poison is infecting your life and infecting the lives of those around you. Deal with it. Deal with it now. I just want to pray for any who are in that position this morning where you're in a wilderness of your own making. Maybe something, something went wrong. You lost something. Something happened in some way or other. And you've been angry at God and you've, you've gone into your own wilderness and 
It's not been good. I just want to say God loves you. God loves you and he's right there with you right now. And right now his spirit is just calling you out and he's just saying, admit it. Just recognize the situation. It's like he's just stretching out his hand to you and he's, he's just saying, let me take your hand. I want to lead you out of there. Perhaps you don't know how to resolve it entirely, but as you put your hand into the hand of God and begin to walk towards God and work with God, he can come out of it. Resolve in your heart and mind to forgive anyone who has hurt you in any way whatsoever. Resolve to completely forgive them, to release them. Don't wait for them to come and say sorry. Don't wait for them to, to do the business. You release them. You forgive. You forgive completely. Father, if there are any in this situation this morning, I just pray your grace on their lives. Just now that they may know your loving presence. That you'll help them to take those steps of walking out of that wilderness and discovering the righteousness, peace and joy of your kingdom once again. What it means just to enjoy fellowship with you. Just receive God's forgiveness. Receive his cleansing. Receive his is renewal right now where you are. Let him just wash you clean. Let him just lead you out. For those who are in a wilderness experience where the Spirit has led you there. Words, prophecies that you've been given. Frustrations. You've not seen things work out as you thought at this moment in time. Maybe you're angry at God. Maybe you're just dull inside because you don't know what to do about it. Just to realize that the Holy Spirit is one who leads us into the wilderness for a purpose. To detoxify our souls, to shape us and make us more like Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you just, just help any here this morning who are in that position just where they, they struggle to feel your presence, Lord. But you are there because you've promised to be with us. Just help us to understand what the wilderness is about. Help them to understand what this wilderness is about. Just to know the promise that you are there. Just to understand the particular battles, the lessons, the schooling that you are working in them at this time. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome your ways. Mold us and make us after your will. We give ourselves afresh to you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. When God called Abraham to touch the nations, it was required of Abraham that he was to be circumcised as a sign that he was dedicated to God. And God called Moses to move in the miraculous to 
set God's people free from the tyranny of Pharaoh. And it says, I think it's in oh, Exodus chapter 5, it says, God met Moses in the desert and he was going to kill him. That's an interesting verse, isn't it? God gives him a destiny, a promise of a destiny, then, he's, then he was going to kill him. Wow, what's all that about? And what was God was saying, I want you to be sanctified. And Zipporah, his wife, circumcised his son. And Aaron went to him in the desert. And Moses told him everything that God had told him would happen, and also what had happened. You see, God was preparing a people for holiness because of the calling of God. And as a church, we're moving into a land of promise for us. And we want to take on the Jerichos. And all God's people said, Amen. But there's a place they stayed at before they attacked Jericho. Does anybody know know the name of the place? See, we know the Jericho, but we don't know Gilgal. When they crossed over, they came to Gilgal, which basically means the place of foreskins. And God said to the people, to Joshua, you've got this, the people have got to be circumcised because you've got to be dedicated to me because I'm going to do remarkable things through you. You see, we want more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He's God. And we don't get him to conform to us. We have to conform to him. church. Yesterday for the men, it was a huge day for those who could make it. There's some circumcision of the heart that needs to be made for what God has got for us as a church. Church, it's not just as important as it is as individuals, it's a corporate thing where God is saying, I want you to be circumcised in the heart, in a, in a way that you dedicate yourself to me. Stop doing that which you shouldn't do. Whether it's bitterness or whatever it is, understand, I'm calling you. Let's get ready. Let's say, God, have it all. Have it all. Because I want to be a part of what you're going to do in this church. We are going to move in the supernatural powers of God. Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. It won't happen without that Him. God is holy. It's to be miserable but holy. So I just we want to leave you with this challenge. Understand that what the God is doing, where this church is being positioned, ready for this land of promise that He's taken us into. It's a moment of being pausing this day, this weekend at Gilgal. This is our Gilgal this weekend. Guys, you know what Ray has been speaking into your life about. Respond. Come on, men, rise up. Have done with sexual sin. I'm going to serve God. As for me in my house, I'm going to serve God. Whatever it is, I'm going to serve God. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's go and have coffee.